friends, fellow evolvers and curious people everywhere. Welcome to this episode of Being with Sally Wilson. I'm Sally Wilson and I have as my very special guest today, Fiona Mark. Welcome, Fiona. Thank you for having me, Sally. <laughs> it's great to meet you. I've heard quite a lot about you. Uh, for people who haven't heard of this wonderful woman before, Fiona is a coach and a keynote speaker. And one of the ways that Fiona, and, you know, obviously we'll go into this as we chat, Fiona, but one of the ways that Fiona has really honed her skills in terms of resilience and helping people with that and and achieving their dreams is through overcoming difficulties in being blind. <laughs> right, Fiona? That's the one. <laughs> yep. So... When you were 16, Fiona, some big stuff happened, right? Can you tell us about that and what your decisions, what happened within you as a result of those experiences? Mm. I think, look, being a 16-year-old is tough for anybody all the time, yeah? Teenagers, 16-year-old, mm. you're finding your identity, everything's a bit blah, 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 blah the whole time anyway. Yeah. Um, for me, it was also a time to navigate my disability. It was also a time to nav navigate grief. Um, my father had passed away when I was 15, and so that was, you know, quite instrumental in, in a, you know, quite a big lifestyle change as well. Um, there were lots of bits and pieces going on, and essentially... You were like, I mean, I grew up in a, a town out in outback far New South Wales that was um, not really full of resources. And mm. so no one really knew what was going on. And we all had this sort of you know, working class, pull your socks up kind of attitude. And no one really considered mental health to be a, a, you know, a huge thing back then either. And realistically, I probably should have had a little bit more support given to me than what was. Mm. And I was pretty much just left to sort of, you know, sort out my own stuff. And that wasn't working really well at <laughs> one point in time. Yeah. And look, I, I sort of, you know, probably, you know, should have been diagnosed as having depression and I was suicide risk and all sorts of bits and pieces, which was not very good good and look I think sometimes we get to that point and sometimes we have to hit rock bottom to work out you know where we need to go from there yeah. and lucky for me I had a conversation with one of my teachers I had the opportunity to do a presentation on a subject of any choice and I thought hmm Let's, let's do this on, on um, you know, suicide risk because I figured if, if I was sort of, you know, having those, those troubles that potentially other people in my class or my year level were having the same sort of issues and um, especially given that, you know, youth suicide is, is particularly, um, you know, higher statistics out in the country. I had a conversation with this teacher and he said, you know, is this information for yourself or somebody else? I think I freaked the poor guy out sort of knocking on his, his office door and saying, hey, I want to know about suicide. And I think yeah. he gave, gave him a little bit of a heart flutter, the poor man. Um, and the answer to that question was that moment when I realised, you know what, this could really be about me using my experiences to help other people. And within that, I realised that, my disability also impacted upon my capacity to potentially use my experience to help other people. Mm. So up into that stage, I sort of had, 
had all of these career goals and then had gotten a little bit lost because I thought, well, what can I really do with a disability? And, you know, what what things can I pursue as a career that are going to have the supports in place to make sure that sort of, you know, I can continue my career as my eyesight degenerated. And I realised that social work was the way to go where I could help people and use my own story. Yeah, right. Gosh, at 16, to make that decision um, and to have that realisation that actually, oh, well, okay, this is my experience and um, it can be of benefit to other people hmm. um, is is wonderful. And and look, it did take me a really long time to, look, I think the action happened in my brain mm. to actually really acknowledge that it took mm. many years afterwards. Like it was kind of like I didn't really process it all yeah. until sort of you know much later on but you know that yeah. that whole thing kind of you know just seemed like it was a bit organic at the time yeah um and also I know that at around that time just to compound the 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 stress and the pressure and um, the difficulty was was an experience of bullying wasn't it um yeah and I, I yeah. think that you know bullying is talked about a lot more now mm. and so we think oh it must happen a lot more now than it used to but actually <laughs> um <laughs> It happened a lot back then as well. Um, can you just just talk to that a little bit, Fiona? Yeah, look, I think kids will always find the the lowest common denominator to try and you know potentially give themselves some feeling of power and strength and to sort of you know make themselves feel better by making somebody else you know seem less and so my disability was something that was sort of you know I guess an easy target and it really wasn't assisted very much by the fact that at that time the school structure didn't really have the facilities to be able to support me in the ways that I needed to be as well. So, mm. you know, there were the times where, you know, PE class, they would decide, okay, the curriculum says that we're all going to play cricket. Like, <laughs> oh, mm, oh, my goodness. Cricket doesn't really work all that well for Fiona. <laughs> so yeah, uh. then, you know, then I would be sitting on the sidelines. Mm. And so then once again it separated me and made me different. And so that just kind of compounded that whole situation mm. of okay well the system isn't good the you know the other students aren't always good mm. <laughs> like it wasn't was it always a great experience yeah, yeah. and uh, you know I hope that I hope that now there are well there is in in general a lot more support um mm. for people in in whatever ways we need it um but a, a question that just occurred to me um I mean you did it tough when there wasn't support when um, there weren't the resources uh, to mm. help you, right? But how much, not that I would wish that on anyone else, <laughs> but how much of having to do it tough was part of your learning the resilience that you have learnt during your lifetime? Oh, absolutely. It had everything to do with it because, you know, you learned to think outside of the square and someone wasn't going to come and save you. So you needed to work out how to save yourself. Mm. And, you know, the supports weren't there. So you had to work out, okay, well, how do I work around this problem and actually sort it out? And so that definitely built that resilience in me. And I think, 
you know, we all we all seek a comfortable life. Like if you say, oh, how do you want your life to be? I want it to be comfortable. <laughs> and you think actually, you know, sometimes comfortable isn't always a good thing because it doesn't give us that opportunity to learn and grow. Mm. And I think, you know, sometimes those difficult times, no matter what they are, you can always reflect back and find that silver lining and say, actually, there was something that I learned from that experience. And although maybe I don't want to go and relive it again, at least I can acknowledge that something came out of it that was positive and it's given me something new to move forward with. Yeah. And so this this brings me to, um, you know, thoughts around, you, you're, you're a an extreme kind of sportswoman. <laughs> you like adventures, <laughs> right? Now, I, I've thought of this in the past because I've done a bit of um, what I would think of as extreme uh, sort of outdoorsy stuff. Some people might think might not think of it as extreme. It's all sort of a spectrum, isn't it? But and I, and I often thought to myself, you know, why why am I actually doing this? Why am I doing this? Why do I need to do this? And um, certainly with some people that I work with, um, it's it's this constant need to prove themselves, prove that they are strong, prove that they are resilient, prove that they. So can you just talk um, to that a little bit, Fiona? What's your experience of those adventures and why do you do them? And if you encourage other people to do them, which I think you do, why? I think you are on the right track. I think it is a little bit of proving yourself and it's proving that the system is actually operational. So a lot of the stuff that I've been doing in the last 12 months or so, I've sort of, you know, um, targeted different, um, you know, tourism operators and activity operators. And I've sort of said, are you comfortable and disability confident? And some places you just hear nothing back from and it's kind of like silence and then mm. other times it's like yeah yeah no worries come along we'll work it out and those organizations that have the capacity to work it out mm. then that means that you know obviously they're welcoming a, a broader spectrum of business means that they're able to adapt and and not necessarily say yes I'm accessible and and have that as a blanket rule but to be able to say I'm disability confident and I'm happy to have that conversation and let's see if we can work together to make this work for you because yeah. ideally what I want is for people to be able to go on a holiday, for example, you know, you go to to Queensland and you want to go skydiving hmm. and you've gone on a family holiday. Well, you know, all of you should be able to participate in that activity, hmm. um, you know, equally, not to have, um, you know, one person miss out because they've got a disability. And so to be able to actually do that in a way that, um, you know, those those organisations maybe put the information on their website or it just sort of becomes word of mouth that, hey, well, this is the preferred provider for that particular activity because it is something that people are actually able to participate in. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, you, you know, it, it, it was at times and is still, I'm sure, at, at times really tough and yet you put yourself in the position <laughs> of it being even tougher <laughs> so is that um and because I, I know you're a, um you are an adventurer it seems like you're an adventurer by heart is it just mm. is it seeing how far you can go is it pushing the comfort zone just to see what you discover about yourself like what what is it about I mean I know you said it's the operating systems and figuring out mm. what works and what doesn't but beyond that on a personal level on a personal level, yes, definitely. It's about 
essentially seeing if I can scare myself and and really do push those boundaries because I find that that's that's what gives me that growth that's what gives me that adrenaline rush and there's times where you know I do something and I think oh you know this is pretty straightforward and then there's other times that I just go oh my gosh this was a really bad idea but I'm gonna (laughs) stick at it um perfect example of that is I I decided like been on the back of my husband's motorbike a lot and you know we've done 300 kilometers an hour around the racetrack and I figured I want to go on a jet ski jet skis are just like a motorbike in the water and this is the girl who can't swim particularly well I think no yeah why you look look at me fine (laughs) And so off we go on this jet ski ride and I swear like it was the most horrifying (laughs) thing. I didn't realise that the waves would make you bounce and then bouncing makes you feel like you're going to fly off. And then I've heard all those horror stories about people getting munched up by the jet ski. Oh, gosh. (laughs) And I'm like, don't fall off, don't fall off, don't fall off, don't fall off. And I think that was the whole experience <laughs> was just being so worried about, um, you know, what could go wrong. Yeah. And then I was like, you know what, stop it and actually enjoy it. Mm. And if you fall off, so be it. Like they can fetch you out of the water, it'll be fine. You've got a life jacket on, all good, let's just go with it. Mm. And I sort of reframed what I was thinking and it became much less scary and much less of a horrible experience. I'm not sure. Look, part of me says, no, I don't want to go jet skiing again. And then the other part of me is like, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So you just touched on something that I imagine is one of the things that you help other people with is reframing. Mm. Yeah. Um, how do you help people reframe? I think it's about getting down to the, the the crux of what our our brain is trying to tell us. And, and we're so easily led by those negative thoughts and those things that aren't true, but it's just so easy to listen to that, that little voice that says you can't do it or, you know. I think really being conscious of changing that and thinking about the things that you can do, the things that you are good at, the things that... Um, you know, prove that little voice wrong uh, is really important to to bring that into your actual consciousness and say, okay, well, no, these are the things that are right and all of those other things that maybe I've believed for a really long time because someone told me, is that really true or not? And quite often we find that they aren't true and that those those negative things are actually preventing us from doing the things that we really want to do. And if we stop listening to that voice we've got an ability to actually do something bigger and better and and achieve some of that stuff that we think that we can't. Yeah. And it's often, you know, what we accept as truth that then becomes our truth, right? Mm. So it's kind of changing your truth. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Which is totally malleable. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, funny, funny, you know, like this is, this really messes with your brain a little bit, but because our brains take in so much information at any given moment, there is no way that we can process all of the inputs that are coming in from, you know, all of our senses. And so our brain actually just goes, you know what, like some of this I need, some of it I don't. And so in essence, we're actually choosing to 
experience life the way that we have kind of programmed our brain to pay attention to things. So if we stop paying attention to some of those things and start paying attention to other things, we've got the capacity to change our life experiences. Yep. The perfect example of that is anybody who's been out and decided that they're going to buy a new car and they think, I'm going to go and buy a red Mazda. And all of a sudden, as you drive around for the next week or two, everywhere you look, all of a sudden you're seeing red Mazdas. Now that's not something that wasn't there before. It's just that your conscious brain is now collecting that information rather than ignoring it. Yeah. Yep. It's that um, reticular activating system, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Choosing, kind of choosing what we filter, how we filter, and then creating our experience um, through that really in a way, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. There was one, um, one of our extraordinary um, Paralympians, Sam McIntosh came and spoke to me one day. He's, he's on another uh, episode. And um, when he had an accident, the accident that, that caused his disability, he like, like you, you know, the ability to reframe, he had the ability to reframe like that as Mm. a teenager um, and he knew when he had the accident that it was not good. Um, mm-hmm. and his, his spine had been, had been broken and, um, he couldn't move. And, uh, and he was, he was lying there thinking, I'm going to be the first person in a wheelchair to, to parachute or something into the Grand Canyon. I mean, that's what he was thinking, mm. right? I just thought, what an extraordinary strength to have yeah and so you teach people you teach people that skill if they don't have it already right yeah and what other skills do you teach them in terms of increasing their resilience and I know that you you know you help people achieve their dreams so what sorts of skills are you know do you teach it's about setting goals and then working out what you're doing now to actually move towards those goals that you've got. And sometimes those goals seem like they're huge goals and they're unattainable and it is it is literally just a dream, but it doesn't mean that you can't reach them. Maybe you just need to take more steps. And so instead of it being an easy, like, you know, three-step process, it might be a hundred-step process. Mm. But as long as you do something every day to keep you progressing in the, the, the little sort of, you know, benchmarks of what it is that you need to do to get to that big goal in the end, that's how you're going to be successful. And actually, mm. you know, acknowledging the fact that you're doing that along the way. So, you know, perfect example, we want a million dollars in the bank. Well, you know, it. you look at it and you go, okay, I'm going to put a dollar in every day. Dollar in the bank every day. Well, at the end of the week, I've only got $7. Well, $7 isn't a million dollars. Oh my gosh, like that, that, that goal mm. is still really unattainable. But you know what? Like that adds up over time and you do extra things and put extra deposits in and, you know, maybe your tax check comes and you think, oh, I'll put some extra money in. And, you know, that million dollars will be there before you know it. Hmm. But you've just got to acknowledge that sometimes it isn't going to be an overnight thing. And for me especially, (laughs) it was a case of learning how to be patient to get to those goals because sometimes it isn't something that you control necessarily yourself. Sometimes it's about building things up or waiting until something else happens. And, um, yeah, to get to those things in the end is sometimes you've got to enjoy the journey as well as just getting to the end goal. And especially if they're big goals, 
it's about like the the steps along the way and enjoying that that journey as well yeah and it's um you know that understanding of delayed gratification mm. <laughs> and honoring that mm-hmm. um i think you know so often we're like well i want it now <laughs> you know <laughs> and that's usually not how it works it's i mean my background is in the performing arts and that's a that's a a real sort of attitude now is well i'm going to become an overnight success bang mm. that's what i want well no one no one becomes an overnight success in the rare occasion where somebody does they're usually stuffed up because they haven't actually had the building blocks mm. that can sustain them being there yeah so it isn't sustainable and yeah yeah they just don't don't have that capacity and you know we think that people are overnight successes because generally especially you know with social media or whatever we only see the glossy lovely you know final result we don't see the amount of hard work and practice and um all the you know the things that went wrong along the way we generally only see the happy picture at the end and so Mm. you know to be really mindful that sometimes you know what you think is the um you know the the way that someone's done something might be totally different in reality yeah absolutely um there was something that you mentioned at the start um and it was around choice you you made a choice you realized you you had a choice to make this is probably when you're 16 i think you that might be the mm. context in which you mentioned that um my impression is um that with clients too, once they've made the choice for themselves, then you can really go nuts and work and achieve those dreams, right? Mm. But if 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 somebody is not um, taking full responsibility and making that choice, um, what do you do then? Look, it does become very difficult, and and realistically, unless someone has a real goal of changing it really won't happen because they don't have the capacity to put in the the you know the bits and pieces that they need to do along the way and so then they're not accountable to themselves and so it's really about working out and saying okay what is it that you really want to achieve and why is it that you really want to achieve Mm -hmm. it and really digging into that why because then once that why is highlighted then they suddenly go oh this is the reason, this is why it's important to me. And then reflecting back and going, okay, if you don't do it, what does that look like? And to actually get them to then realise that, okay, well, either I stay the same or things potentially get worse and then they use that why to keep them moving forward. But, Mm. you know, it's it's that whole analogy of, you know, you can lead the horse to the water but you can't make it drink. And unless someone's really ready and we're not always ready to change, although we know that we need to. Yeah. Whatever reasons that are holding us back from that change are keeping us stuck. And unless you are really sort of, you know, ready to say, okay, that's the past, I'm ready to let go of it and move forward, then, you know, sometimes you just keep on getting stuck and going back via that spiral of of negative things. Yeah. And there's the unconscious at play too, isn't it? You know, mm. the 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 those self sabotaging patterns and beliefs that 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 often are on unconscious. And mm. um, and when you talk about the why, um, you know, making sure somebody's clear on why 
they want to achieve certain goals. I mean, that's just so important too, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. if our, if the reason we want to achieve goals um, is outside of ourselves, mm-hmm. <laughs> then goal after goal after goal, we can achieve all these goals and feel empty at the end nonetheless, right? That's right. Because if you're waiting for somebody else or some external thing to congratulate you for doing that, you know, you're waiting, I don't know, I've been to the gym every day for the last year and I've lost 20 kilos and I feel like I've done amazing and no one acknowledges that and that was what you were hoping for, then at the end of the day, you know, you, you've you not really in your mind met that goal. But if your goal of going to the gym and losing that 20 kilos is something that is internal, then you're going to be like, I look amazing. This is fabulous. I can wear my new clothes. I can, you know, run around the the oval with the kids and do all the things. Mm. And that then is what's the powerful thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like, um, you know, as soon as we stop looking for self-affirmation and proof of our worth externally and find it Mm. internally and then decide what our goals are and why, it's a very different vibe, isn't it? It is indeed. But, you know, we are so caught in that comparison. Someone called that I was speaking to the other day called it comparatitis. I just (laughs) think it's like we are. Like, I mean, we are so, you know, what's everybody else doing? What are our friends doing? What's, you know, what's the media telling us? Like all of those external things are very influential. And so it's, it's not always easy to sort of pull up and say, hey, you know what, like that doesn't sit right for me. I need to actually do what's right. Yeah. And how would you how would you work with somebody in helping them understand how to embrace adversity? <laughs> that's one of the things that I know was on your website and I thought, oh, that's interesting. How do you teach somebody that? Mm. Look, it is as a previously mentioned about working out how that particular incident Mm. has been beneficial to you. And I mean, sometimes we can only do that in hindsight. So to start off with, it's about, okay, I can't stay in this space forever. It's perfectly normal and okay for you to need to take some time out to have, you know, the day where you're going to shove the doona over your head and not come out, the day that you don't want to speak to people, the day that you just want to sit and eat chocolate and watch Netflix all day. However, there comes a point where that's not a healthy resolution to your coping. And so then you've got to start thinking, okay, well, what are the things that I can do that work for me that will snap me out of that mindset? And it might be that you do have a support group of people that you contact or friends or family or someone that you can talk to. It might be that you, you know, join a gym and do do some exercise. It might be that you just go for a walk around the block and actually sort of, you know, get yourself out of that, that physical space that you're in at the moment. Hmm. But having said that, once that has happened and you go, okay, yep, my mindset has now changed to a place where I'm not 100% focused on that horrible thing and I'm starting to think about things in the future, then it's also then going, okay, well, you know what? What did you learn from that situation? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we think, okay, something like losing our job, it's devastating. 
But then what has come out of that? Does it mean that you've had an opportunity to get some new skills and try a different career? Does it mean that you had the opportunity to spend some more time with your family? Does it mean, you know, what what were the things that came out of that that were actually, a you know, a positive thing rather than just focusing on how terrible it was? Because everything is is growth and you know the world doesn't tend to throw us things that are just totally you know unmanageable like Mm. all of us have dealt with many of these same similar situations I mean obviously everybody deals with something in their own individual way but having said that I mean you know we've all had similar situations and you're Mm. not the first person to deal with it you won't be the last person to deal with it and it's a choice about how to deal with it and how to move through it that is going to sort of, you know, empower you to to move forward. Yeah, because in, you know, 99.9% of those situations, it will pass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it will pass. And it's, you know, having that kind of question in your mind, ooh, what am I going to learn from this? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having the curiosity even at the beginning of adversity thinking, ooh, okay, what what's this going to teach me? Oh, this is this is really interesting. Let's see what happens here. Mm. Um, then at least we can also be a little bit more objective about it. I mean, it doesn't mean you become a you know an egomaniacal happy person or anything like that. But um, because tough times are tough times, mm. <laughs> and there's there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that. Um, but I I certainly find if if I can just be a bit curious, think, huh. Let's just see. Let's just see what happens here. I remember at the start of COVID, um, I put a, a question out on social media. It got quite a lot of um, interaction. <laughs> and the question was, hmm, by the end of this, what will I have learned about myself? Um, we can't possibly know that at the start, but just, just kind of framing it in that way, certainly um, I think it helps. It helps me. <laughs> Might not mm. help everybody, but yeah, yeah. And look, I think there's there's a point where you can do that, and depends on how impacted you are by the the situation that you're in. Yeah, like I mean, if you're in the the process of that that whole drama of something just having happened, and mm. and you don't have the capacity to be able to do that then to still have that somewhere in your toolkit to be able to say, well, you know what, like now I'm over the hump of whatever it was and to be able to look back at it or, you know, if if it's not an instantaneous drama that's created a a huge problem for you, yeah, to Mm. be able to have that curiosity and just go, you know what, what does this look like and what could it look like? Yeah. And what are the positives? What are the things that this might bring me? Yeah. And it's also that um that sort of sense of I can. You know what? I can. And mm. this is going to be okay. Um but I also think, you know, and I I'll be interested to hear whether you agree with me Fiona is uh you know, you were referring earlier to the the brain's way of filtering information that we we talked about the reticular activating system. Mm. Um, and I'm a big believer in practicing these things, mental discipline, understanding the mind, you know, um, during times that aren't hard. <laughs> so <Yes>. that <laughs> when yeah. hard stuff happens, um, we already kind of have 
have our tools polished up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So do you work, um, you know, how, how do you, how do you do, how do you do this with people? When somebody comes to you, Fiona, and says, right, I've made a decision, right? That's the first thing. You probably wouldn't work with people who haven't made the decision. I've made the decision. This is my goal. These mm-hmm. are the obstacles um, or the perceived obstacles. What do you do then with those people? Yeah. And, and obstacles was exactly the right word there to use. And sometimes people don't know what the obstacles are. They just go, oh, my, I'm so stuck. I don't know. I just don't want to be doing this anymore. Right. And so it is really digging at what it is that's keeping them where they are. And, look, the whole idea with coaching is not it's not counselling. You don't dig into someone's past and go, okay, yep, let's relive the situation. But potentially it's like looking back at things and going, okay, well, your behaviour is this because of that. And so making those linkages in a, a way that sort of, you know, doesn't bring back those negative or, you know, difficult situations, but actually sort of making some of what we've maybe stored away unconsciously conscious and say, okay, well, you're, behaving the way that you are because of x y z and this is why you're not able to um you know go where you need to is because you're still stuck with that particular belief and if we can change that belief then potentially that will free you up and then you can start thinking of new different things and then you know being able to move forward Mm. so it is really digging at those obstacles and working out what it is that is stopping them from going forward and You know, you're right. Is it is it real things or is it things that they believe? And, of course, it's very real for them, but the reality is is that, you know, we might be able to reframe that and make it different. Yeah, yeah. And what sorts of organisations ask you to come and speak to their employees and what are the topics of your keynotes, Fiona? The key aim of what I'm doing at the moment in relation to my keynote speaking is, I guess, sharing my story, the ups, the downs, the good things, the bad things, the things that have impacted and especially in an employment kind of context in relation to showing people that having a disability doesn't mean that you need to be on a Centrelink benefit for the rest of your life and that you can't work and that you're going to not be able to contribute as much as somebody else. And so to actually show that people with disabilities, you know, we're innovative, we've got a, you know, a solutions-based method of thinking because, you know, quite often every day presents us with things that we weren't expecting and we need to come up with a, you know, fast solution as to how we can work around it. So there's there's some real positives in relation to having people um, with a disability work for you and to actually share a positive and, I guess, you know, inspirational sort of story to be able to say, well, you know what, this is the type of people, I'm the type of people that can come and work for your business and just having a disability doesn't make me any less than anybody else that comes along with the same skills that can do the job. I just maybe need to do the job in a slightly different way. So I think we're all starting to realise that inclusion and diversity in the workplace is a key thing. You know, it's all all about representing the community that we serve and the community is made up of all sorts of different people, different backgrounds, different sort of, you know, lifestyles, situations. 
And so as a business, if your employment, um, you know, your recruitment, your your employees, the the whole system reflects what the community is that you're serving, then you know, you're going to be better able to serve that community and to be able to reflect what the needs of the community are. And so essentially, I think a lot of companies are still struggling with the fact that, yes, we need inclusion and diversity, and maybe the HR department understand that. Mm. But your average sort of, you know, manager that may be employing people and doing the job interviews is still a little bit scared or just doesn't have enough information or, you know, potentially doesn't want to say no to somebody because they've got a disability, but they just aren't knowledgeable about what that might look like. And so my idea is to get out there and share some of that practical story and get people fired up to kind of go, you know what, this can be amazing. And someone with a disability actually does have something to contribute. And next time somebody comes along and they do identify as having a disability that, you know, we're not going to put them in the too hard basket that will actually work with this. Yeah. Fiona, thank you so much for being my guest today. I, I'm so grateful to you. <laughs> You've been very generous with your own experience um, and also in just helping us see things from a slightly different perspective and, and to open different little doors for ourselves that we may just step through slightly differently than we may have in the past. So thank you very much. Is there anything else you'd like to leave us with? Anything that I haven't asked you that you would have liked me to ask you? <laughs> um, I think we've pretty much covered everything. So thank you so much for having me and, and asking some fabulous questions. Well, it's certainly been my pleasure. And thank you also, listeners and watchers, uh, for being a part of this conversation too. It's really important and we value your participation in this. So thank you, everybody, and I look forward to meeting with you over the waves next time. Bye.